Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that brings you inside NRG Stadium, which is chock full of graduations today. Earlier today, the hallways just bustling with graduates so excited to move on to their next phase of life and we're not going to do that just yet johnny you and me we are here in the hyundai texans radio studio our next phase of life is the next phase of the offseason program which is otas next week it is yes absolutely that's what we are concerned about i will say with all these graduates it's really interesting because it runs the gamut they'll have hcc in here they'll have a bunch of high schools in here Mm -hmm. they'll have all kinds of them and they're, they're all on the service level. And so it depends on how big the class is and where they're taking them and all that kind of stuff. Well, a couple of years ago, I remember our studio was right across from the locker room. And I don't think J.J. was coming out of the locker room. I think he may have been coming out of the weight room. But he came out, and I was in here. Yep. And I didn't have the door shut. But, you know, there are doors. There's an outside door. Then there's our door. I heard them going berserk. And I'm like... I'm trying to get radio, so I'm a little yeah. bit I'm like, man, y'all have got to shut up. I didn't, you know, I'm thinking that. Yeah. I walk out there, and then I realize I can see him like above everybody, sure. and I just see phones, and just everybody's trying to record, and all, oh, and yeah. he's just trying to get to the cafeteria. Like, right. he's just trying to get across the hallway. In his own building, in his own workplace. <laughs> he's Poor just guy. being mobbed, yeah. and everybody's getting pictures. And, and so, of course, I had to kind of watch that scene unfold, and I'm just seeing these. These, you know, these kids, and they're like, that's JJ. I mean, they're freaking out. And I'm sure. like, that's one of the things, obviously, you know, we, we see JJ. You know, he sat here, did interviews with us. You know, we see him in the hallway, kind of nod, say hello, whatever. You know, it's, it's commonplace. It. We're used to it. But these graduates get that, man, at my graduation, I had a chance to see JJ. He was going from the – it was so cool. I got a picture. Check it out. And it's like, looks like Bigfoot. So that's blurry. Pretty, that, you know? <laughs> looks but, like Bigfoot. But it's pretty good. That's no commentary on your appearance, JJ. No, Don't no, worry. not at all. Nope. Not nope. at all. Not at all. Okay, a couple of things here. I want to get to this right away. Instant replay on pass interference. Okay. And there's a lot going around about this because the owners are meeting this month, and there was this proposed tweak that Mike Florio has been talking an awful lot about. It's making the way around NFL talk circles anyway. Uh, Johnny, I kind of like the proposed tweak. I really do. I think that inside the final two minutes, uh-huh. I like it if here's, – here's my tweak – only on scoring plays or turnovers is the pass interference an automatic review, all right? An automatic review on a flag mm-hmm. that, oh, coulda, woulda, shoulda been called. Because that's what bothers me a lot about this rule. I said it from the get-go, where it's, wait a minute, we might have seen pass interference uncalled on a, on a particular play. Right. Let's automatically review that. And I, I know what everyone's thinking. Well, Mark, what about that Saints-Rams game? Yeah, but if Sean Payton could throw a flag – he could challenge that play. Right. He could challenge it and say, I think a, a flag should have been thrown. Because you could have willy-nilly clock stoppages, game stoppages, if yeah. you allow this thing to be an automatic oh. review for It'll a non-call. Forever. It'll take forever. I mean, think of college games. Now, co- the college game is different because clock stops after first downs and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's forever. It'll, it'll take forever. They don't have automatic review. So... I mean, they have automatic review on every play, but not subjectively, and not pass interference, and not a pass interference exactly. So, th- it would it would take f- it would take forever. So, it, what what's what's the tweak? I haven't even seen the tweak. All right, the 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 tweak would be that you'd take away the automatic review inside the final two minutes, okay. and for a scoring play. All right, let's, so let's say I catch a touchdown pass, right? But I pushed off. Yeah. Well, 
in in the current rules writing, right. well, they, they could say upstairs, wait a minute, we got to stop this. we got to look at this and right. say, uh, even if it's not a touchdown pass inside the final two minutes, and say, you know, he pushed off offensive OPI, right. you know, go back to the line of scrimmage, back it up 15 or whatever right. it is, and then you go from there. And I don't like that. I mean, Ooh. I think it's it gets a little too hairy, and it puts a lot on the guys upstairs. I don't mind putting that on the coaches. You know, now again, scoring play, maybe you make it automatic, okay? Either way, you know, because we talked about the OPI being uh, something about this I don't like because, you know, if it's in favor of you, the OP, I mean, not the OPI penalty, but yeah. the, the guy who pushed off, right. then you start feeling differently about it because push-off can be so subjective, like you said. Yeah, very and much so, so. It's such a nuanced kind of thing. And even pass interference itself, a nuanced kind of thing. I say maybe we just start over and say let the coaches throw the challenge flag, make those flags extremely valuable, and – I know this could happen a lot potentially in a game, but usually it's going to be one or two plays. They'll have one or two flags. How many flags do coaches keep in their pockets on the way to the locker room after well, the there's, game? There's a only, ton. Well, yeah, they're a, yeah. I mean, the the one flag they have, they they throw. How many have, how many but, times do coaches go to the locker room with a challenge they didn't use? Yeah, I agree. I mean, every game. I mean, how, has Bill O'Brien? How many times have he has he used up all his challenges? Don't, Once I, I can I, think of one time. I can think of one okay. time, and that was the Patriots in 2015 on that Sunday night. There were like back-to-back plays where he oh, threw, yeah. them, and he got both of them. He got both of them. But I, and I was trying to. I'm so he gets to the third, the, right? So he gets the third, and I think he threw it on the third as well. Oh boy! So and he's out of flags. So he's out at that point. But, it was but the, inside it was two the minutes, quarter. you know, so you're protected against that, right? Because inside two minutes, everything's reviewable. Maybe you make this thing, everything's reviewable. Yeah, that's so. At that point, why? Why would you not follow what you're already doing for review? I don't know. Why Why would you not follow? And just not to say that you just like sneak it in, but just add it to the list of things that are reviewable per your challenge flag. So you could challenge a ball spot. You can challenge you know, two feet in or one foot out, whatever. You can challenge all that. Why can't you just throw that in? And do it the same way. Because to me, I think it gets more oh, – not that things get too complicated for coaches, but if all of a sudden you could tell them, look, you can throw the red challenge flag on these things before two minutes, but not this thing. Well, often they want clarification. Right. And and what happens is they call a timeout to get clarification, and they end up having to throw a flag, right. and then they lose the timeout. If they right. lose the flag, they lost another <laughs> right. timeout because they called it in the first place. So to me, <sighs> just be consistent with it. And that is, with the the, the items that are reviewable – let them be reviewable up to two minutes. Mm-hmm. And then within two minutes, especially with this one, if it's an egregious pass interference, then whistle down. We're going to review this one and go from there. I just don't know why you would change the review thought pattern for coaches. Yep. It's already tough enough to decide whether you're going to review it or not. But just say inside two minutes of a half, that goes upstairs for everything that's reviewable, which now includes pass interference. That, to me, makes it that much easier for the coaches. Yeah. It makes it that much easier. And the thought being, you're only going to send something upstairs if it ends up being an egregious pass interference. Right. And, and you, if you use that flag, that every year you hear the complaints, there is no recourse, right? There's no recourse for this stuff. Now there is. And I think if you go a little of the way, you can always go further. Yeah. But it's hard to go back, so let's just see how it works out. All right, a couple of things about the show, which is already we're well into it, but this is going to be a special teams focus tonight. 
with three guys who are big on special teams for this squad. And we'll talk about some of the other guys as well. I think it's very interesting how the Texans improved dramatically in special teams with the addition of certain players, certainly, but also Brad Seeley as the coordinator. And you wonder, Brian Gain picked up a lot of guys after the cuts in the preseason last year. Yep. And you wonder, well, the guys he picked up, they're around here now. How are they going to factor in? Are you going to pick up more guys? Are you going to cut some of these guys? This is going to be very interesting to watch it play out because these guys did so well for you, including Buddy Howell, who you will hear from tonight, and Terrell Adams, who you will hear from tonight. But the guy who maybe is the star of special teams, boy, what a weird way to put it, is the place kicker, <laughs> Kaimi Fairbairn. Kaimi Nui A'alua Mekiki Okikumupa'a. Fairbairn, and I won't use the name too often, but that's it. That's his full 36-letter first name. Anyway, Johnny and I visited with him. He loves the way things are going for him this offseason. His life is changing. First time this offseason where I've stayed here permanently. Um, okay. It's been a blast. Got my fiance out here. She got a, she got a job out here. So oh, really? Coming in, going to work. She likes it? Loving Houston, yeah, no doubt. That's really good. That's really good. How'd I'm, you convince her of that? <laughs> Just work. Um, she she's a really smart girl. She uh, she's a software engineer at J.P. Morgan. Oh wow! Yeah, so she's pretty uh, pretty sought after. Like she's she's got work. Is she from home? Is she from? Yeah, we grew up together back at home in Hawaii. And she came here. What she think of Houston? She loves it actually. Really? Yeah, she she likes it a lot. Traffic, there could be a lot of traffic on Oahu. I mean, there's no. Oh doubt. yeah, they got major problems there. Yeah, it's it's such a tight knit. Probably Island, less like, severe here in some areas, in yeah, many areas. It's way anyway. everything's bigger, you know. Got Man, more, I don't know about more that. Lanes on the traffic. Now I need to get to Hawaii to be able to, to figure that out. Not that my whole family would go with me at that point. <laughs> Kaimi, let's go back to last year a little bit. Week four, Indianapolis, thirty-four, thirty-four. It's coming down to a final kick, and it was it was funny because when we talked about the season going in, and we talked about different things, we were talking about you, and I remember Mark saying mm-hmm. in particular, we were like. Kaimi's never had a chance to you know hit a game winner. He's never had a chance to hit a game winner. Then you nail two against the two biggest rivals for the Texans. Yeah. What was that feeling like in those two hitting those two field goals? Honestly, I wasn't even really thinking about just, you know, that one kick. I was just thinking about for our team, you know, getting after an 0 3 start, we we bounced back with those two big wins and that's what really got us on a roll. Like I remember guys in the locker room saying, you know, that's all we need, that's all we need. All the, those two dubs, and yeah. that's what got us going. If you had your druthers about you, I mean, the extra point being 33 yards away. In the older days, it was a 20-yard kick. Yeah, a little so, different. So it is different, but as kickers, do kickers like that? or Because it, it, it makes you more valuable, really. But on the other hand, it's more difficult. Kick. Yeah, it's all mindset, you know, yeah. um, how you think about it. You, you can't go out there like the old ones and just kind of – it's a gimme kick, you know. Yeah. Um, you really got to lock in, focus in, and, you know, not take it as just another play, just another PAT. You know, it matters. Kaimi, the one that sticks out to me, and it's weird because where I was standing, I was standing literally underneath the upright, so I couldn't see it until I watched it back on film. Do you remember the Denver field goal that you hit that actually put us in the lead? It was late in the, the third later quarter. One. Yeah, it was, the and, wind picked up. Right. Yeah. The wind picked up, and your, the, the kick looked like a wiffle ball throw. Oh, no, yeah, because you don't get to practice in that wind, so yeah. you kind of just got to trust your line. And even though it's you know coming around with that little hook, it's you just got to trust it. Do you do you factor that in kind of like a golfer, like, man, this wind is really strong, so I yep. want to hit it inside the upper what, – what's kind of the approach when you have 
a, a weather situation like that. Right. Depending on the wind, um, you know, you find your line. I, I usually find something out in the crowd of like a little, sp- uh, you know, uh, you know, a little letter behind in, yeah. in the, in the audience and then, um, aim for that and trust the wind that'll bring you back. But you know, you, you, uh, address your, like your misses, you know, like how, how much margin of error can you have? And, you know, I kind of, you never want to give away the post most of the yeah. time, but in that situation I did. Yeah. You know, I aimed outside the post and brought it back in. So One more for you here. Uh, Trevor Daniels says that learning how to hold the laces right, or to, to, to get the hold right and where the laces are and everything, that was one of the things that made him kind of nervous early on as he was taking over right. the punting yeah. duties. It's a, it's a big job. It's a big job. So how do you help him out with that? Um, it's really a thankless job, honestly. No one really gives enough credit to those guys. Um, but honestly, it's just repetition. And, you know, I just tell them I trust them. Like, you know, it's, let's get the reps and – build that trust and that's all it is really Kaimi, thanks a lot good luck to you thank this you year. guys have a good one i can't believe we didn't bring up ace ventura pet detective with him you think he's seen it oh man laces out i don't think so mm. it's my guess I, I don't think so by the way i meant to say this uh but then we got it got it to the interview yesterday we, i you know i mentioned to him that my my daughter has a pretty big crush on him oh by yes the way. and Gosh. so i showed her his middle name mm-hmm and my son in the back, just being the wise ass that he is, he's like, "I'll give you a hundred bucks if you could say that." And I was like, "I bet Mr. Vandermeer could say it." And then he stopped and he went, "Well, I'm not giving him a hundred bucks." <laughs> but I told him that you could say it, so uh, that was kind of a that was an interesting topic in the car driving with the kids yesterday. Uh, Fairbairn, like you mentioned, I've always brought it up that prior to the season, never had to make a big game winner really for the Texans at the buzzer, and he did it back to back in weeks three and four last weeks four and five last year. Yeah. Uh, but also, he's never missed a big kick, which is huge to me, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's missed some. They all missed some. But he's never missed a big one, and that's huge as well. Knock wood, knock whatever you're knocking, because that's so important that your place kicker continues to be clutch. How about that? You've said, you said that all of offseason, heading into this season. And then not only does he get one, he gets two. Not only does he do it in one week, he does it in consecutive weeks. Not only does he do it against one rival, he does it against both of them. Yep. I mean, that was, to I me, mean, just to get Indy and Dallas in overtime with a fair barren field goal, that, that's pretty amazing. If he could have done it against Tennessee, because he didn't get the opportunity, right? Yeah, it was. Against Tennessee, right. if they get in range, right. he's kicking the game-tying field goal and yeah. maybe the game-winner in that one as well. So you'd love to see him get that chance. I, well, remember what that taught us, because we got to week four because of week two, so... Yeah, it, I would have liked to have seen what Deshaun could have done with those 17 seconds, as he did in Week Four, giving Kaimi a shot. That would have been a that would have been a mm-hmm. long one. That would have been a, a pretty significant one. But the one I asked him about in Denver, I couldn't see the ball move that much from my angles. I was right under the goalpost. When I went back and watched it on TV, Mark, I'm telling you that ball moved the width of the goalpost. Jeez. Luckily, he had it at the right upright. The wind was that bad, and I remember it being that bad because his kicking net hit me in the head. Like, I was standing there ready for a play, and the wind blew, and bang, hit me in the head. I was like, man, I'm Concussion not Concussion protocol, John like Harris. Odell Beckham Jr., like, man, what is going on? Oh, just hit me right in the back of the dome. So that one, to me, was as tough as kick he had all year because the wind was so bad at that moment. All right, next up, some things the guys brought up with me this morning. They proposed a trade, and Johnny will react to it as well. And also, Buddy Howe, special teams stand out for this team running back. And later on, Terrell Adams, you want to hear what he has to say. He made a huge play last year for this team. He's another special teams standout. It's Texans Radio.
Mark Vanderveer, John Harris with you. Friday night, just got paid. No, I'm not going to sing that song. I really didn't just get paid, but I really feel like singing that on Friday nights because it's a natural progression, right? Of course. Absolutely. Party hard. I'm not going to start singing. I was about to, though, because I feel like it. I had three espressos this afternoon, so I feel pretty charged up still. That's cool. You can sing it. I don't Mm -hmm. mind. Got the flag football championship this weekend, too, in the Go Texan League down in uh, New Territory. How you feeling, Coach? Vanderkid's team. Well, you never feel uh, you never feel great, Johnny. You know how it is. Yeah, coach. of course. Doesn't matter if you're the favorite or not. In fact, we got the bullseye right on our backs here. Okay, this is year six. Mm-hmm. We've won the championship. If we win it this year, we've won it four times. So we've won it three out of five. You so guys this is a juggernaut. We are. We I look. I might not be a great coach, but I'm a great general manager. I can tell you that. <laughs> Flag football with kids. I am the general manager extraordinaire. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you just you just get the best players and you delegate. That's what I say. Yeah. So they're really great kids. That's the whole thing. I just want great kids. Well, they have to be pretty good too. But I want great kids. It helps on the team. It helps. <laughs> I got a kid on my team. He's he's got three brothers and a sister. I'm dying to talk about this kid, but I feel like it's not nice to like violate privacy and everything. But let me tell you yeah. something. You will hear from his family. All the kids are really extraordinary athletes. The girl might be the best one, but all <laughs> these kids are going to – they're great students. They're all going to get offers to do something yeah. in college, so I'm really eager to follow their progress. And I've, I've been with this kid since second grade, so he's just one of them. It's really fun. Anyway, just thought I'd mention that. And flag football is a great sport, by the way. We promote it as a Houston Texans organization, NFL organization. Wherever you can find it, YMCA leagues are outstanding. Yep. Uh, the NFL plays 60 leagues. You know, Just Google the stuff. They're out there for you. And – I can tell you this. I'm coaching the kindergarten kid, Vanderkid 2, on his team. And it's a great sport for kids because it's, all right, go pull the flags of the kid who has the ball. It's pretty easy that way. You know, when you teach these little kids basketball, it's like they have the wristbands, and you can only guard the kid who has the same color wristband as you. And it gets very complex for these kids. This is more like the actual sport. So have some fun with it. Enjoy, parents. And um, contact me via Twitter or Facebook if you want more information on this stuff. The... Flag football concept, Mark, I- I'm telling you right now, it's more difficult than playing tackle. Yeah, for, I think for it, you guys. I think, it makes, I think it makes you a better tackle football player. I would have no problem. Now, mm. I played junior high football starting seventh grade, so I played right. seventh, eighth grade, junior high. In sixth grade, I played Pop Warner, so I played tackle all the way along. But I'm telling you, I would have been a better tackler had I continued to play flag football. Because when you think about flag football, there's one spot where you can make a tackle. If I'm going to play tackle football, I can grab your shoelace. I can hit you face up. I can grab your arm. You're playing flag football. You got one shot, actually two shots. It's at the same spot. They're tough. But what I realized is I played flag football after I played tackle football, and I kept wanting to tackle everybody, but <laughs> which is not surprising. Tight. Yeah, which is not surprising. But I I realized as I played it week after week after week how much more difficult it was to pull the flag. Oh, yeah. How tough that it's actually tough. is. Well, the thing is, because you have to decide, if you square up on them as if you're going to tackle, it's harder to pull a flag. It is. Right? It is. But it's almost a way to slow them down, if you will, and mm-hmm. then you got to get it as they're going by. And right. it's tough. Like, That's I, so I'm hard. I'm impressed when people are able to do it so, so hard. Well. All right, a couple of quick things here. Uh, Patrick Peterson's name came up when I was on the morning show with Paul Gallant and Seth Payne. And they're like, you got to make a deal for Patrick Peterson. My whole thing is this. when when And you've done talk radio forever, so mm-hmm. have I. And in any sport, you get trade suggestions from the callers. But I always say this. You always have to look at it from the other person's point of view, right? Who are you trading with? And what is their objective here? If I'm Steve Kahn, 
I don't know if I'm so quick to trade Peterson anyway. Right. Because, all right, I'll get a draft choice. I'll get whatever I get. But I got to not necessarily go to the playoffs this year, but I got to show progress. Right. And even if Peterson has to sit the first six games, on my team, the Arizona Cardinals, I know that I can get Peterson to help me win some games down the stretch. I'm gonna, if I win seven games this year, that shows progress and yep. we're going in the right direction. And let's go from here. We got Kyler Murray. He's doing a good job, you know, hypothetically. Yeah. If I trade Peterson, yeah, I got a third-round draft choice, second-round, whatever I got, but it's not going to help me for another year or two, and I might be gone by then. How do you see it? I, I see it the same way. Look at what went on with the, the Jets. Use the Jets as an example. What you had with the Jets is a GM that had been there for four years. I think Mike had been there for four years. You had a coach that's just stepping into the role. Now, we have seen in Arizona being one of them where a coach was there only for a year, but that's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. So if you're a new coach walking into that situation, you're thinking I'm here for what's the length of my contract, three years, four years, five years, usually four or five years. I'm thinking I'm going to get close to that. Right. So I can see somebody walking in that situation as a coach going, Yes, I want to win games, but I'm going to be here for a few years, so i got to make sure I change the culture the way I want it and get the right guys and then all that. But it can also work the other way, too, in that with McCagnan, he's thinking, I've been here for four years. i got to make a splash. i got to get this team to win games now. That's the only way I'm sticking around. Yep. And it can go the other way, too. If you've got a brand-new GM, think of the Colts a few years ago. Ballard was a brand-new GM, and Chuck Pagano had been there for a few years. And Chuck was a little bit on shaky ground with Gregson. And then they have a tough year. Andrew's hurt. Jacoby's in there. And, you know, Ballard made up his mind, I'm going to go in a different direction. And so, at least at this point, Ballard and Reich are sort of aligned from when they came in. Like, yeah, we're going to build this the right way. Now, their timetable might be a little ahead of schedule, but that was a situation with the Colts where it was the other way around. You now, want the coach has got to win. The coach has got to win, and the GM is like, i got to build this thing a little bit more long-term. But it flips at some point for, for guys, and I think Steve Kime was in that sort of dilemma. He's like, look, I just drafted a quarterback last year, and now i got to draft another one? Cliff Kingsbury is not expected to win 10 games in year one. Right. But if you win seven, Steve Kime and Kingsbury look good. All right, special teams, that's kind of the sub-theme of the show today. Buddy Howell, the guy who did well on special teams for the Texans last year, shows up after the cuts as a running back, but he knew what he was here to do. Coming in, they told me my role. They told me what to focus on, and that's what I did. So every day I came in, I made sure I made an impact and learned what I had to learn to go out there and be effective. And just going out there, playing fast, and having fun was one of the main things you could do as a football player. So doing that, it helped me be successful throughout the year. Buddy, how was that process for you? You spent training camp with the Dolphins, and then all of a sudden – you get to that point, and you don't make the Dolphins, but the Texas club said, hey, we claimed you on waivers. Come on over here. So you haven't had that bonding time at training camp, and then you're kind of thrown right into the fire week one. What was that process like for you? Um, it was crazy because I've never really been away from home. been home my entire life. Yeah, you know, so, Miami's your home. Yeah, Miami's my home. So, you know, I went to Florida Atlantic, so that's right up the road. So, shoot, I was given like five hours to come get ready and come to Houston. Yeah. And it was like I ain't really get it. Until, like, you know, I got home with my mom, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Houston. And she was like, you know. But getting in, you know, great coaches, you know, they gave me everything possible to have me upbeat and ready for um, the next game. So I didn't play New England game, but the next game after that I was in. So just, you know, following the instructions, doing what you got to do, being attentive and wanting to get ahead and yep. learn was the best thing that I did. And 
once you win, you just play football. At the end of the day, it's football, and there's no tricks, there's no gimmick to it, but, you know, just going out there having fun was my main thing. I'm grateful to be here. I was happy to be here, so, shoot, that was a – it was just a plus for me that somebody claimed me to put me on a 53-man roster. Are you lobbying for carries? Are you begging for carries right now <laughs> just to get um, a shot at it? <laughs> like, you know, as a running back, you would love to get a carry. Yeah. But when you know your role and you yeah. play your role, it's a good feeling to go out there and compete because some people can get frustrated you right. know, trying to beg for carries and want carries, and you don't get a carry, then you get frustrated. So I don't really set myself up for that mindset. Mm-hmm. I just know they want me here for special teams, make an impact on special teams. So – that's my thing. But if I get a carry, that's a bonus to me. Right. It's like, hey, it's time to roll. But, yeah. you know, I work hard day in and day out on scout teams, um, look team mm-hmm. with the real team. So if a carry comes my way, I wouldn't, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> but I'm not going to sit here and say as a running back I don't want to carry. But as a smart player, I know my role, so I focus yeah. on my role. Buddy, we've been in Houston for a long time, so we obviously know all the different places to go. You're new to Houston. Mm-hmm. How different was the transition coming from Miami where you lived your entire life, played your college ball, and all of a sudden you got to come to this place? I'd imagine you felt a little bit like a foreigner, but how's it, how's it been kind of getting used to living in Houston and being here? First thing I'm going to say is Houston is big. <laughs> yeah. It's like Texas is huge, and it's like everything's like a 30-minute drive, 20-minute drive. So, you know, at first – Everywhere. Yeah, so – at first, my first year, I just, you know, stayed in the facility, you know, stayed close, lived right down the street. So I didn't really try to complicate things. But now as I'm, like, getting older, I'm trying to, like, move around, see more places, to, you know, to go eat and stuff like that. And I just realized, you want to go somewhere, you, you better get ready for that 25-minute drive. <laughs> and for somebody from Miami, that's like going to Fort Lauderdale, Broward, which is kind of, yeah. like, out the way. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. just getting used to traveling with time, patience, and, you know, venturing around. But, you know, Houston – it's a good place because everybody's nice. Yeah, it's not really much hostile, and you know everybody's for Houston. Yeah, you know you know Miami is a whole bunch of everything over there. So having people treat you with respect that was one of the main things that I noticed. And even when my mom came up, she was like, "I noticed everybody's so nice." And it's a great feeling, but you know I'm just getting used to the distance, the time, and, absolutely. You know, being prepared for just making that drive. Did FAU have an indoor practice facility? <laughs> nah. Okay. Nah, they practice. They they um. When I was going in, they promised that when I was uh, <laughs> my freshman year. Lane couldn't get it done. <laughs> it was it was Coach Partridge, and then oh, Lane yeah. took over. But I think now they just added an addition to the stadium mm-hmm. to get that started. But yeah, like they promised me that my freshman year, and then like I think like my senior year, we did like a groundbreaking speech, and they still ain't break ground. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> they finally like starting to get stuff rolling. So you know, it's on the way. It should be on the well, way. Well, I asked because every guy from South Florida, I always like to get the heat comparison. Oh, the gosh. heat here versus oh. the heat in South Florida, which uh, there's more humidity there. There's no doubt, but I, I think it's hotter that. here. You know, so it's going to be interesting this okay, year. Okay, so first off, I could say in Miami, South Florida. When you first walk out, you're going to start sweating. Yeah. The humidity makes you sweat and get wet early. So it's like, you know, you're already like soaking wet Mm -hmm. by the beginning of practice. Here is really dry. So like you can actually feel it on your skin if you don't have long sleeves. Like, oh, shoot, it's hot. Yeah. But in Miami, it's just like as soon as you walk out, it's like, oh, I'm dripping. I'm dripping. So, you know, it's easy to take that comparison. All right, we'll continue to compare notes. Buddy, thanks a lot for joining us. Good Appreciate luck. You. Buddy Howell joining us. Another special team standout, Terrell Adams, coming up next. It's Texans Radio. All right, man, but I think the the biggest thing that's kind of carried me through is just my faith, man, and my perseverance. Uh-huh. Um, just keeping a strong mind in my family. Like, every time I go through my situation with each, with each, with each team, they kind of just keep motivating me, and I just get back to what I know, and I just keep working. So 
I just kind of like handle handle what I can on my end and just hope for the best every time. So I'm here now and just ready to see where it takes me now. Ready to rock. Exactly. Look, Terrell, we gotta, we, first of all, we got to handle some business because a little while ago DJ Reader was in here and he, he referenced you. Exactly. So we got to give you the chance you know, for a rebuttal because he seemingly kind of just scoffed at suggestions that you might make. But I've got a feeling that – and I saw you over there and you were like, whoa, wait a second. All I'm saying is – if you get Dunny back on here, and he lets you know the one person in the locker room who actually suggests good music, it's it you. will be me. Okay. Okay. All right. Breeda just disrespected my name, just disrespected <laughs> me all the way. He knows I bring the bangers. Yeah. I uh, tend to agree with you more than Reader. I have I have that feeling, but we'll talk to Dunny about this. But he is is he without question the DJ? Like you don't like hands down. Okay. Drops the bangers every time he comes in and gets rights on the mic. Is the process for making a suggestion, like you have a little suggestion box, you just walk over and say, hey, DJ Dunny, play this one today? Oh, no. So he, he gives you a chance. He gives you, like, one song chance. Yeah. And that kind of, like, sets a tempo for your name. Like, if you suggest a bad song off top, you right. never come back. Okay. He wants to take a suggestion again. But me, I've thrown a couple in there. So he, has my, he respects me. See, I love the locker room dynamics. Yeah. You've, you've been in a few different yeah. locker rooms. And we talk about that throughout. We talked about – this team in 2018 in particular because the locker room dynamic for this team was was different than other Texans teams. It was different than other locker rooms. It was a really tight-knit yeah. group. Did you sense that while you were in there? It's weird, man. I, I don't say this normally, man, but when I first got here, that was the first thing I noticed. Like They, they kind of brought me in, just made me like one of the team. And Again, I tried to, had to prove my worth, like make a couple plays on the field, but they they initially initially kind of just like took me in like it was just crazy it felt like a brotherhood as soon as I walked in I can realize like exactly just connecting with uh, DJ Dunny just right off the hook on on the music and everything yeah. and sitting right next to um, sitting right next to Weeks and me and him chopping it up and then watching kind of Kaimi and Dylan play uh, ping pong all day and <laughs> I'm like the the worst ping pong player I'm like the best fan I like give like the best commentary the whole time so I mean it just feels like home right off top man. It's interesting because you were here in October for the winning streak was in progress at that point. And then you end up back with the 49ers for a bit and then back here. And that had to be strange to get back after being with San Francisco for a little bit. Yeah, it it, it definitely was, man. It was just like like being sick from home, man. I wanted to be back home so bad, man. But, of course, situation didn't permit at the time. And Mm -hmm. then it all worked out the end, man. But it was just somewhere – it was just like a weird time period, man. Terrell, the one – there was a lot of play. There are a lot of plays that stick out in that nine game winning streak, and I think about all the different things that Buffalo game was. It was such a weird game in so many respects because you know offensively we can't do a whole lot that day because Deshaun's banged up and we're just not moving the football. And Buffalo's defense is very very good, but in that game the special teams were incredible, and you were a big part of that. What was that feeling like when you get the block? And you get it right there on the sideline, and guys are going. What was that feeling like when you get that block punt in that Buffalo game? It's crazy, man, because that was like my initiating initiation into the brotherhood of the Texans. It was like, oh yeah, <laughs> my, to play. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, oh, he's one of us. You know what I mean? Was, I can remember the meeting afterwards, and just um, making that play, kind of just um, just getting handshakes from guys, and like it was funny because the meeting the next day, coach was like, uh, "Look at you guys shaking up Tyrell. I bet you don't even know his name, Tyrell." I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was just funny, man. But uh, you're wearing the right uniform. Exactly, That's all exactly. that matters. It was just a great experience, man. Then kind of get to know guys after that, and then you know, what I mean, just start getting interested in each other. So, so you went to West Georgia. Yep, yep. Okay, so th- how did it, how did all that go down coming out of high school and everything? So, um, man, I got like the most like 
probably boringest story ever, like, <laughs> coming out of school. Like, I remember coming out of high school, man, um, didn't have many offers at all. A um, couple D3 schools, a couple NAI schools. Why is that, though? I mean, here you are in the league. <sighs> man, they missed. I'm Were you not smaller? Trying to think if you're trying to find and try and explain college football recruiting, it's it's – the, it's the strangest, weirdest, off-the-wall thing ever. I mean, because trying to figure out why this guy signed at Tennessee, but then you go to West Georgia, and that guy goes to Tennessee and plays like half a year and doesn't make it anywhere, but yet you find a way to get into the NFL and been in here for the five years. It's like Trying to explain it is like the most difficult it's, and weirdest thing exactly. ever. Exactly. You think it's like a straight path, and it's, it should be more more organized, but it's not. I mean, it's guys that – I've heard like crazy, even even in my situation, I've heard like even crazier situation with guys. I'm watching guys they go in like the fourth and fifth year making Pro Bowl and all this, and they were undrafted or yeah. went to a smaller school, which is crazy to think about. But I think um, honestly, man, for me coming out, of course I wasn't I wasn't that uh, big. I literally was maybe like two one when I came out of high school. I was 180 playing safety. Oh wow! Yeah, I was really a lot smaller and um. Well, there just, it is, then, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I wound up going to um. West Georgia actually was the first, like, well, I had one D1AA school offer me at the last minute. It would record my cousin. I sent him my, I wound up sending him my, uh, my highlight tape, Robert Morris. Mm-hmm. I wound up sending him my uh, highlight tape. They tried to offer me, but I was like, no, nah, I ain't going up north for no football. Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'm, from yeah. down, I'm from down south. I'm trying, yeah. to, play, yeah. trying to play in the heat. It's so, working out just exactly, fine. Exactly. It worked out fine. So I wound up choosing West Georgia, man. And, I mean, I can remember them moving me to linebacker, and it was like, literally the most like nerve-wracking thing I've ever experienced because I was literally only 200 pounds. <laughs> I was like, I cannot play linebacker at 200 pounds. You were the you were the, the Prius amongst all the 18-wheelers in some what? sense. What? Exactly. So I was like, who is this linebacker at 200 pounds? Yeah. He can run. And he, yeah. He <laughs> and, but that's, but that's exactly. the way the game is going exactly. now, is it not? I mean, yeah, exactly. guys don't have to be 255, but they don't have to be the size of BMAC anymore exactly. to step in and do great things. Exactly. Why, why do you think that is? I think it's just – you got to attend uh, to more the offenses now. The offenses are going more like more speedier and kind of being, being more pass pros. Like yeah. they want to they pass the ball. So you got to have guys that can compete with that and kind of be more athletic and hang with covering linebackers, I mean, cover running backs and cover tight ends who are really athletic nowadays. So right. you you played high school ball in Atlanta. Yep. And, and I asked a, a couple of other guys about this, but Deshaun Watson in high school, before he did what he did at Clemson, what was his reputation like in the state of Georgia? Man, you would just hear about those guys. I can remember just, like, growing up, like – and I was uh, a little – I think I was a little bit older than Deshaun coming out, mm-hmm. and I would hear about, like, this younger cat, like, going off up. I was like, okay, okay, okay. And it's just so many athletes, so you hear so many different names. It's just like – Yeah. You start to realize, like, dang, he was in Georgia with us too. So it's crazy, man. Got a lot of talent down there. You ready for some either-ors? Yeah. It's a very go. simple Let's concept. You an NBA it. fan? You basketball fan at all? I'm a LeBron fan, put it that way. Oh, we've heard that a couple times yes. now. Let's go. All right, LeBron's so, got his own LeBron nation. All right, so we'll start with this one. You can relive one athlete's life from beginning to present day, either LeBron or Michael. LeBron all day. Okay. Well, a couple of guys one. picked Michael. In the first one that said LeBron. We've even had LeBron guys that have said Michael. Uh, so, okay. Film is being made of your life. Mm-hmm. Who plays you? Either Chadwick Boseman. Michael B. Jordan or Channing Tatum? Channing Tatum. He has really? A, he has a sense of humor. I love it. Okay. And he played linebacker in exactly. high school, apparently. He, has a- he did. Uh, okay. I don't know if you're into boxing at all, but I would imagine you know these names. You can step into the ring against one of these two fighters <laughs> in their primes, either Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson. 
Muhammad Ali. Mike Tyson, he's going to knock you out. Uh-uh. Yep. <laughs> See? Muhammad Ali, you <laughs> might guys just, are smart. Might, Muhammad Ali would embarrass you, though. Yeah, but he'll dance around for a little bit. You know what's embarrassing? Not punches. being able to speak anymore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Terrell, thanks a lot for being with us. Oh, thank Goodbye. you guys, man. Terrell Adams joining us on Texans All Access. And, Johnny, that's the kind of guy you root for. Special teams player trying to stick around with this squad. He's been with a lot of squads in the NFL. But he's, he's making a living. I mean, he's doing it. You just want to do it in one place if you possibly can. Yeah, and, I mean, how many different stops has he had? You, you root for a guy like that. And it's funny when, when he – he was waived because they had some injuries and they had to try and work some things around. And that's one of the things I think that, that we talk about it, but I don't think it's known a lot that when you're you know, number 49, 50, 51, 52 on the 53-man roster, boy, every single week you're looking at transactions. And not only what happens at your position, what happens at other positions. Yeah. Because you look at other positions and go, wait a second, we're going to need a tight end so you got to pull from a different position. Man, look, we got to wave. You've done a great job. We got to wave because we need a tight end. And so that's what happened to Terrell. But then he ended up coming back. Mm-hmm. So I remember seeing him back in the locker room, and we had not seen the transaction yet. And I was like, hey, Terrell Adams is back. This is good. You know, he's yeah. back with us. And so I was glad to see him back in the locker room. But I, I, there's a part of me that hates the life that those guys have to lead. But you could tell he's got such a good spirit about it that he's, he's willing to do anything to try and stick and stick for a while. So uh, I, I'll be rooting for that guy in training camp and, and wherever he goes because he was, he was fun to talk to. He's got a really good grasp on things, and he plays really good music in the locker room. Yeah, he, he does. makes good suggestions. He does. Apparently. I mean, if DJ Reader and Brandon Dunn think he does a good job, then that's, that's, the, that's, that's pretty a big good. thumbs up. That's, that's a high endorsement right there. And as far as these guys who have to bounce around – Look, you're a young man. You're, I mean, there are guys who would dream about having that opportunity that these players get, so good for them trying to make the most of it. All right, a couple of things here around the league. So Colin Cowherd had his OBJ's top ten career moments list. Did you see this one? Oh, and it gosh. was all the all the stuff about the kicking net. Uh, you know, the one-handed catch was <laughs> the on there. That's the boat. You know, all this <laughs> stuff. And it was kind of taking shots at him. And Baker Mayfield has been going back and forth yeah. with Cowherd and everything. And, and it led me to believe – this is show meeting here. I think next week we got to do a show meeting on teams. And, you know, in NCAA tournament terms, we talk about bubble teams. And yeah. we also talk about bubble teams in the NFL when it comes playoff time. They're a bubble team. They're on mm-hmm. the bubble – or bubble players when you're coming to the end of the roster cuts yeah, at yeah, the yeah. end of the preseason and all of that. But I think bubble, when you talk about financial terms, is also interesting. I want to do a show where we talk about are you bullish on this team? Is this team a bubble? To me, the Browns are a bubble. And that bubble could burst. Right. The Browns have bubble written all over them, meaning it's a big inflated value thing on the Browns right now. Yeah, yeah they got a lot of interesting pieces here, but show me on the field, okay? You're still the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> I mean, you got to find a way. And look, I know that it's, it's more than about the uniform. It's who's in the uniform. But I'm still looking at who's in the uniform, and I still have to see it flesh out on the field. And Mayfield, as good as he was last year, all right, this is year two. What did we say about Watson after year one? Everybody gets the film. Everybody yeah. looks. Everybody sees what you do offensively. Kitchens is still there. He was the offensive guy eventually after Haley was you know, shown the door, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I want to see it happen on the field. I think there are some bubble teams out there in the league who are overinflated. The bubble will burst. I hope there's one in the AFC South. Yeah. We Who's had one? the most likely bubble team in the AFC South? Some people might say it's the Texans, but I don't think so because I think there's a lot of strength here that people well, overlook. You know, they overlook Watt and Watson and the nucleus of this team on both sides of the football. 
I mean, I I admit that the Colts look after what they did here in the postseason and how they looked last year overall. Late, uh, okay, I get it. I get that they would be the favorite of the conference uh, in the division from the outside looking in. But maybe it's the Titans. I don't think it's the Jags. We'll see. I would think the team, if the bubble were going to burst, it would be the Colts because I think there is hype upon hype right laid upon them. It's a good right point. Now. Nobody's really hyping the Texans, Nobody's but they hy- are hyping the. Colts. Yeah, and the Texans have won the division three of the last four years. When's the last time the Colts won the division? The Colts won the division. Well, the Colts won the division in the year the Texans uh, d- 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 uh, nine and seven. Yeah, yeah twenty fourteen. That's the last right. time. That's the last time the Colts won a division was in twenty fourteen. So because the Jags won it in the four and twelve year of twenty seventeen. It's so it's been a while for the Colts, and they got in last year uh, with a wild card. So, but. Oh, look at the draft. Look at what they've done. I mean, they they obviously handled us in the playoff game, and I, I will never, I will never look bad on the Colts for that, and I will never look bad on the Colts in any way, shape, or form. But the Colts came in here and kicked their butt. I mean, it, it's pretty simple. They kicked their butt that day. But you know, now there's a lot of hype around you. Now there's expectation. What are you going to do to that end? We've seen Frank Reich's offense. We've seen Darius Leonard now. Now they've added some very athletic pieces, how those pieces all come together, and then whether you stay healthy or not. It, Andrew Luck goes down with a sprained ankle, and that bothers him for a while, and he can't push it off the foot. How does that change that offense? What about T.Y. Hilton if he continues to play with a bad ankle uh, throughout the year? He gets banged up, or he has to miss games. Keep talking. I mean, those are, <laughs> those are things we, look, those are things we don't wish on anybody, but if they happen – no. It changes things. I mean, I look at the Jags never. last year. They had to deal with a lot of different injuries. But the bubble, their bubble burst. Remember last year at this time, the Jags were the top five team in the league. They had everything. Oh, as long as Blake keeps it together. Well, guess what? Didn't happen. He didn't keep it together. Nope. All right. Thanks a lot, Johnny. Yeah, Mark. Thank you. That's going to do it for the show tonight. Go to HoustonTexans.com for videos, articles about your favorite team. we got so much cool stuff up there. And check out Texans 360, Drew Doherty, Wade Smith, and others. Saturday night, 11 o'clock on ABC 13. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.